0: Tonight, to the book of Mark, chapter 1. I'm going to take a little detour from our series in the book of Psalms, and I'd like to take just a few moments tonight, really in preparation for our business meeting, and uh, by way of looking back on the last fiscal year and looking ahead to what God has in store for us, I believe. And so we find ourselves here in Mark, chapter 1. When Jesus came into this world and God became flesh and dwelt among us, he called 12 men to follow after him and to be with him. And one of the reasons that he called them to be with him is because he intended to send them forth to do a work. We find in the Gospels the record of Jesus' ministry And much of that ministry pertains not only to how he dealt with those who were sick and those who were uh, broken by sin and how he brought the gospel of the kingdom and preached it, but also we find a record of how Jesus was ministering to uh, these 12 men that were following after him. And his mission with these men was to prepare them to carry on a great work that he was beginning and they would continue. As I've studied the life of Christ and his methods of discipleship, to be honest with you, it, it's almost mind-blowing to think that God in the flesh would leave men who are sinners to do the work that he started. And not only that he would leave them with that work to do, but that he would promise to them that they would be successful in that work, that he would empower them, that he would enable them. And then as we study the path forward in the book of Acts, the things that transpired after the ascension of Christ, after he went back to heaven, we find that in fact those men did continue on in the work that Jesus had prepared them for, Although there was a season of failure and right there around the crucifixion and the resurrection and all the events that took place, we look at their lives and we think, Jesus, you're leaving the job to these guys? How are they going to be able to do it? But we owe our knowledge of the gospel to the fact that those men did continue that work. And then as they took the things that they were entrusted with by Jesus and they invested those in faithful men and then those faithful men entrusted those things to other faithful men and so on and so forth over the last number of centuries all the way forward to today. It's remarkable, isn't it? And it's a reminder that all of this process, this continuation is really the work of God through the people that he calls. Now, one of the things that Jesus focused on, there were a number of things that Jesus focused on in his discipleship with the 12. And there were other disciples, by the way, who were followers as well. They were devoted followers and they were learning at the same time. But these 12 in particular, and of course we know that one of them was a traitor and would betray the Lord Jesus Christ. But one of the things that Jesus was frequently working on with his disciples was getting them to a place where they would lift up their eyes and realize that the harvest that God had in mind and the field that God was calling them to was not a regional field. It was not a local field, but it was a very broad field that included all the way up to the uttermost part of the world. And so Jesus was constantly stretching them and challenging them and uh, emphasizing that God's vision is no less than the whole world. And so many times Jesus would expose them to uncomfortable situations. For instance, there were a couple of times when he took them into Gentile territories and he had the disciples who were Hebrews rubbing shoulders with Gentile people, a very uncomfortable situation for them. And yet Jesus was reminding them. And of course, in each of those situations, he was demonstrating that Gentiles can have faith and that God blesses the faith of Gentiles. And of course, we know the bigger picture of this is because it's God's intention for the gospel of Jesus Christ to go to all the world, to the Gentiles as well as to the Jews. But these disciples had to get this in their mind. They had to understand this. When Jesus is trying to help the disciples understand that they need a broad vision and a large vision, he is combating something that we struggle with in our Christian lives all the time. And that's what I want to talk to you about this evening. And I want to look here in Mark chapter 1... We'll see verse 35, our text that we really want to emphasize is down in verse 38, but we're going to read from verse 35 down through verse 39. The scripture says, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, all men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, and cast out devils. Very interesting there in verse 38. He said to his disciples, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. For just a few minutes, I'd like to address especially the membership of Lehigh Valley Baptist Church tonight, and I'd like to talk together about the next towns. And I want us to stretch our vision. I want us to be challenged about our purpose and what God has in store for us. We notice that Jesus, in this statement, in verse 38, is expressing an imperative. He's expressing this idea that we're, he's going to take his disciples and they're going to go into the next towns, and he is expressing it in an imperative sense. This is not an optional sense or a suggestion or, you know, perhaps we when we get some time, we could go to the next towns. Jesus is expressing this very plainly and very clearly. Such that we understand there was really no option for Jesus to stay. Rather, he was going to go. He needed to go. It reminds me of John chapter 4 where the scripture says that Jesus must needs go through Samaria. You say, what was the compulsion for him to go? Well, it was the leading of the Spirit and it was the will of the Father for him to be going. He was always going. And and what you'll notice about Jesus' ministry, if you take the time to study the four Gospels, is that he had those men that were called to follow him, the men who were coming after him, but they did not have a physical meeting location. They didn't have a regular place where they had a building and a sign, and where you could find them at, on uh, Sunday morning at ten fifteen or Wednesday night prayer meeting at six, and they would be there or at seven, they'd be there every week. They didn't have a location like that. We find Jesus taking his disciples and going from one place to another, to another, to another. I think at our church planting class we called this the church on the move. It was a New Testament church but they were not regularly meeting in one location. They were moving from one place to another. And Jesus had a strategy in that. Jesus had something very intentional that he was doing, which was he was emphasizing to his disciples the imperative of going. One of the dangers that we have as a New Testament church in having a really nice physical location is that we can forget the imperative that God has given to us to go, and we can become very comfortable staying. And I'll talk to you about that temptation in just a moment. But notice that not only for Christ, but also for every believer, for every New Testament church in particular, God has given us a mandate to go into all the world. This is not an optional thing. This is not something that we say, well, when we get around to it, we'll go. No, that's what we exist for. We exist to go. And God expects us to go. He wants us to be involved with going with the gospel. Not only is going the imperative for Jesus, but going is the call of God for Christ's disciples. Now, you might say tonight, well, pastor, I'm not called to be a pastor or an evangelist. I I don't have that calling of God upon my life, so surely you're not talking to me. No, I, I am talking to you. If you're a Christian, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, then it's God's intention for you to be going with the gospel. Particularly if you're a member of Lehigh Valley Baptist Church, God's intention is for you to be going with the gospel. So as we go about our life, as we are fulfilling the business that we have to fulfill, God's intention is for us to be going. But even beyond that, God's intention is for us to be going very intentionally to, if you want to understand it this way, the next towns also. So then, not only the imperative, but I want you to think for just a few minutes about the temptation that is present. The temptation that is present. The disciples certainly struggled with this. In fact, in this passage, what prompted Jesus saying to them, let us go into the next towns, is because the disciples had come to him and evidently... Jesus had received quite a reception. Now, this is very early in Jesus' ministry. This is right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And people were quite enamored with the miracles that Jesus was doing. And they, the disciples found Jesus and they said to him... Now, remember, he had gone out into a solitary place to spend all night in prayer. The disciples came. They found him. They said, Jesus, this is amazing. All the people are looking for you right now. Let, let's go back and let's, let's deal with these people. And all these people are seeking for you. And you, you can see their wheels turning from what we know about the disciples and some of the wrestling and the struggles that they had. They were still coming undone from the idea that Jesus was going to build an earthly kingdom and that they were going to have a great following there in, in the, the region of Israel. And so they have this... Thought in their mind, I think, hey, this is a great place to stay. Now, you'll notice that where they are is home to most of these disciples. They're there in the region of Capernaum in Galilee. This is where they're comfortable. This is where they're from. And uh, what a wonderful place to start a work. And they're thinking, all right, this is where the following can begin for Jesus. And, and uh, let's come back here, Jesus. Let's deal with these people. Now, I was just reading the other day in the Gospel of Luke... And the scriptures make a statement like this about some men who wanted to come and and they said they wanted to follow Jesus, but the scripture says that Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew what is in man. So Jesus understood some things that the disciples did not understand, but the temptation that the disciples were grappling with was, this is a good place to stay. Let's stay here. Let's start the kingdom here. Let's have the people gather around Jesus. After all, this is home. This is the place where we're comfortable. The Sea of Galilee is right over here where we fish. This is the place where we know where the market is. Our family is all around. Let's stay here and do the work of God. And Jesus said, no, we need to fight against that temptation to stay. And we need to go to the next towns also. There is a temptation that we struggle with as God's people to have merely a local or a regional vision, and we sell ourselves short of the calling of God to go to all the world. And I do realize tonight what I'm speaking of, and I realize the magnitude of that task. And sometimes I think we back up from the magnitude of that task, and we say, I mean, look around. There's a couple hundred of us here. There's just no way, even if we divide and conquer, there's just no way we're going to be able to accomplish all that. And then our tendency is to say, you know, as it turns out, we kind of like each other. We enjoy being together. We, we like fellowship. We we like to see each other. We're friends with one another. We like one another's company. We like this building. We like this location. We like the community that we live in. How about if we just stay right here? Now, obviously, God is not intending for all of us just to scatter and on Sunday for there to be no one left here. We'll get to that in just a moment. But there is a temptation for us to stay in a place where we're comfortable, to stay in a place where we're wanted, To stay in a place where the reception seems to be good. But Jesus was constantly challenging his disciples with this vision. There's a next place that we need to be going. There's a next town. There's another opportunity. There's, in other words, a need for us to be constantly lifting up our eyes and looking on the fields that are white already to harvest. All around us there's a need. All around us, there's a calling to go. And you and I need to fight against that temptation to just be happy with the way things are. I mean, after all, look around the building. How many more folks could we conceivably sit here comfortably? I mean, maybe we could reach a few more folks, but it's kind of nice to just say, us four and no more. Or as the case may be, Us, couple hundred, and no more, and that'll be good. That's enough. We can enjoy one another's company and grow in the things of the Lord and talk about the things of the Lord and fellowship and encourage one another. And isn't that what God wants us to do? Well, that is part of what God wants us to do, but he calls us to do that in order that we may go. So he wants us to be involved in going, but please recognize the temptation to stay. Please recognize the temptation to be satisfied with, well, aren't we doing enough already? Haven't we, haven't we already preached the gospel in plenty of places? Haven't we sent enough missionaries? Haven't we done enough of the work of God? Well, the question is not, haven't we done enough? The question is, have we reached the whole world yet? And if we haven't reached the world yet, if we haven't published the news everywhere, then we still have work to do. So there's an imperative, there's a temptation that we need to fight against. By the way, I'll point this out to you, a church that stops going and gets content staying, By, by wh- what I mean by staying is just enjoying each other's company, hanging out, having a good time, we're together, hey, this is wonderful, it's great to be a part of this is going to turn sour very fast. Because God did not design us as a body to just sit in one place and enjoy one another's company. Actually, what heightens the enjoyment of one another's company is when we go together with the gospel. And we serve the Lord together. That's really a key aspect of fellowship. Fellowship isn't standing around drinking coffee and eating danishes. I like coffee and danishes, and it's kind of fun to stand around and eat and and drink together with brothers in Christ and encourage one another, but that's not what fellowship is. Fellowship is when we serve together. Fellowship is when we grow together. Fellowship is when we go together. So there's an imperative, there's a temptation, and then... I believe revealed here in verse 38, we find a divine purpose. Now, Jesus is expressing the purpose of the Father for Him. And I believe in expressing this, He is sharing with us something of the purpose of the Father for us. When He says to His disciples, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. In other words, Jesus is saying the very purpose and the driving thrust of his ministry is to always be going to the next towns and the next towns and the next towns. For three and a half years, this is exactly what we will find Jesus doing. He goes from one place to another place to another place to another place, all over the land of Israel, Galilee, Judea, Samaria, off into Decapolis. Uh, he goes into some of the regions of the Gentiles around, and he's going to all these places. He's preaching the same message. And Jesus says, that is why I came forth. I'm reminded of Luke 19.10, where Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to look, to seek, and to save, to rescue those who are lost. I'll say it this way How will we seek and save if we never really leave the walls of this building? If we never really get out into the community? And I realize you live in a house and in a neighborhood and those sorts of things, but too often as believers, Everything about our life centers around other people who are believers and are members of the same church. And I'm not telling you that you shouldn't have fellowship with one another and friendship with one another. But where are we getting out into the world? And where are we preaching to people? Where are we being exposed to what lost people, people who are unsaved, are dealing with? Where are we getting opportunities to build relationships with them? Where are we going with the gospel. What are the next towns? Now, if we were to take this paradigm, this picture for ourselves, the next towns, here we are located in Emmaus. Many of you come from regions surrounding Emmaus. Most of you are not actually from Emmaus or Upper Milford Township. So maybe let's just say the Lehigh Valley. And... There's quite a few folks here who drive a few miles to come to the services. So we'll just say this greater region of the Lehigh Valley, and we'll call that our town. But now I want you to think about some of the next towns. Some places where the gospel could be preached. My wife and I, just a couple of weeks ago, went away for a few days for our anniversary. We drove up to Boston. And as we were on our way up to Boston, we drove through countless next towns. Now, I'm not suggesting that there are no churches in any of those towns, but I know enough about our country to realize that in many of those towns, there is no longer a Bible-preaching church. If you were to zoom out on a map and look at the eastern seaboard, just the eastern seaboard, not counting the rest of the country, just the eastern seaboard, you would find countless cities and towns where there is a great need to preach the gospel. So as a church... We could say, well, this is our area, this is where we're ministering, we're going to do evangelism here. There's plenty for us to do, and there is actually, there's plenty for us to do. If all of us went full time and just knocked on doors and talked to people every day, all week long, and all of us were involved, we still would have a great task in front of us just to talk to the 900,000 people or so that live in the Lehigh Valley. It's a big task. But see, God didn't just call us to the Lehigh Valley. He didn't just call us to preach the gospel to people who are within driving distance of our church. He wants us to go to the next towns also. And so if you take your map of Pennsylvania and you zoom out from where we're at, you could look to the west, to the north, to the south, to the east, and pretty much anywhere you look you would find a need for the gospel to be preached. There's a great need. I was talking with someone the other day, and I said, you know, you could take a dart and throw it at a map of the United States and have a good chance of needing to have a church started in that place. All over this country, there are places where people are driving 45 minutes, an hour, even over an hour to go and and be members of a solid Bible preaching church. They're willing to pay that price because to them it's important to be a part of a real church. I I hope all of you have the same priority. I hope you wouldn't settle for something short of that. But that's troubling because that means that there's a lot of gaps. There's a lot of places where there may not be gospel preaching churches. There may not be Bible believing churches. There may not be strong doctrinal churches, which means there's a need for the gospel to be preached. In our church planting class this last year, we had a great group of men that attended that class. We had a wonderful time of fellowship and discussion as we were talking about some of the principles of of going with the gospel and how Jesus and the apostles practiced church planting. And we mostly just did a study in the scriptures. We just went to the Bible and we studied the principles that we found about how they went and what they did and how God used them. All right. So we were talking about that, and we started talking about uh, a nearby city. And we were talking about the need there, and the men did some research and they found some things out. And they came back and they wrote some reports about uh, that area. And that's an area that's to the north of us about an hour, a place where there's a great need for the gospel to be preached and for a church to be planted. It's not that far away. And as you go out and you cast the net wider and wider, you start to realize there's a great need. Now, when we think about going to the next towns, let's ask the question, what would we be doing in the next towns? Are we just going to the next towns and renting a building and putting up a sign and saying, services start on Sunday, come to the services? Well, obviously, that's not what Jesus was doing, because how would he go from that town then to the next town? You say, well, what was he doing? Well, we read it in verse 39. He preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. So he went to these places. He proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom. He ministered to the people. He was there for a while, and then he moved on to the next place. And then he did the same thing there, and then he moved on to the next place. You say, well, he wasn't leaving a church behind everywhere he went. No, he wasn't. Because at this stage of Jesus' ministry, at this point of the New Testament, there is a great sowing that is going on. You will find a direct correlation to the great revival that happened in the book of Acts and the numerous churches that were started It directly correlates with the work that Jesus and the apostles did during Jesus' earthly ministry. There was a great deal of preparation that took place. For instance, in the book of Acts, we find a strong, vibrant church being started by Philip in Samaria. And God blessed that. Many people got saved. But if you go back in the ministry of Jesus Christ, you'll find that he was the one with his disciples who laid the groundwork for all of that, and it was his preaching and the sowing that took place that eventually yielded the starting of a church. In other words, what I want to present to you is the idea that we don't necessarily have to restrict ourselves to, well, we only go and preach the gospel in places where we have a plan to rent a building and start... Sunday services. We could actually go and we could preach the gospel in a lot of places. So that opens up a lot of opportunities for us. Some of you may be curious about, for instance, what we're doing in Harlem. And I've had people ask me, okay, so are we going to start a church in Harlem? Well, that would be wonderful. Lord willing, we could start a church in Harlem. But what are we doing right now? Right now, we're sowing the gospel. Right now, we're just going and we're evangelizing, we're talking to people, we're offering Bible studies, we're having interactions with people where we're presenting the gospel. You see, you can't start a church until you have some people who are interested in a church. So there's got to be some groundwork that is laid beforehand. You say, well, it seems like you're just not serious enough. No, it is serious to go and preach the gospel. By the way, this is the same thing we're doing in Allentown. And there's a lot of people who are involved in that work in Allentown. Praise God for each and every one of them. They're going and they're sowing the gospel. They're proclaiming the word of God. You say, when are we starting a church in Allentown? When God gives us a core of people that we could start a church with. Right now, we've got lots of people who are mildly interested. We've got some people who are curious. We've got some people who will come once in a while. We, as far as I know, we don't really have anybody that's made a strong commitment to the cause of Christ. So until we get to that place, we just keep preaching the gospel. There's absolutely nothing wrong with going to a town and preaching the gospel and sowing the good news with expectation that God will use that. It's not a failure if there's not an immediate church plant as a result. In fact, we have to broaden our vision enough to realize That even as a congregation of people, if all of us are involved in this, this is a big task that we all need to be involved in. And as we sow, I believe that we'll start to see God opening doors and leading us to people who would be willing to make that kind of a commitment and the possibility of churches being planted. You see, we're really responsible to sow and to water the seed. But remember what God told us? It's God that gives the increase. It's God that moves on people's hearts. It's God that brings people to salvation. It's God that does that work. Now, what does active, purposeful evangelism in new places do for a church? For instance, if we were to say We made the decision, we're going to go and we're going to do some evangelism in Philadelphia. And we did that a number of years ago. And some people come and they participate in that. What is the result of that? You say, well, we never started a church in Philadelphia. No, we didn't. But we did some evangelism. But what does that do? What is the benefit of that to us? Because we tend to think in terms of that, what's the benefit to us? Well, I think, first of all, obedience to the Great Commission pleases God. It is a mandate that God has given to us to go. And so we ought to always be looking, lifting up our eyes, thinking, where can we go? Where can we take the gospel next? Is there another place where we can go that we can sow the word of God? I believe that going to new places and being involved in active, purposeful evangelism also increases our awareness of the need. We can fool ourselves to think we're doing a pretty good job with the need that is before us. Hey, we're, we're actively involved. We're doing a lot of things in this area that oh, there's so much more to do. And if you just get out of your car and you start walking around and interacting with people in a community where you've never been, you start to realize, boy, there is a great need here in this place. Here's a place where the gospel needs to be preached, and it starts to increase our awareness of need. I think this is one of the benefits of us getting up and leaving the country, going on a missions trip, going to a place that's completely foreign to us, and there's something about being out of our element, out of the place where we're comfortable, where we start to just look at things differently. It helps us. And so there is an awareness, an increase of our awareness of the need that exists, I challenge you, you go on vacation and you go to a different place, take some gospel tracts with you and make it a point that while you're gone, you're going to hand out a couple of gospel tracts and maybe even just poke around in that place and ask the Lord, what's here? Is there there a good church here? Is is this a, a community that's in need? Is this a place where people have some interest I mean, you're there. You might as well do a little bit of evangelism. And you'll become aware that all through this great country of ours, there's great needs. You know the Bible Belt? It lost its buckle. It's not the Bible Belt anymore. I have friends who pastor in the Bible Belt, and they'll tell you it's some of the toughest places they've ever been. I have a friend who pastors down... In North Carolina, he told me last time I was with him, he used to pastor up in Maine. He said, I'd rather pastor in Maine any day of my life. He said, in Maine, you go and knock on the door and you talk to somebody. If they're not interested, they just tell you, I'm not interested. Leave me alone. Here in North Carolina, they say, I'm interested. Let's start a Bible study next week. And then they ghost you. They're not at their house. They won't answer their phone. They pretend like they don't know you. And all of a sudden, the person who is interested isn't around anymore. He said, I I just kind of prefer New England. But see, he knows he's where God called him to be. He knows there's a work there for him to do. All through this country, there's a great need for the gospel to be preached. You think, well, there's places where there's a lot of Christians. Well, it depends what you mean by Christian. So if you get right down to it and you ask them some questions about what it means to be Christian, many of the people who call themselves Christians in our country, what they mean by that is, I'm a cultural Christian. I grew up in church. I like the Bible. I enjoy Sunday school songs. Are they out and out followers of Jesus Christ? Have they been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ? Well, no, most of the time they haven't. They can be sometimes some of the most difficult people to reach because when you talk to them, they say, I already did that. I know I'm a Christian. I'm fine. So we find that when we go, it increases our awareness of the need. Then, third of all, active purposeful evangelism in new places yields men who are called to go to new places. Inevitably, if you take people... And you expose them to the need, God starts to move on their heart as they become aware of that need, and God begins to call men to the work. A question was posed Has God stopped calling, or have men stopped answering? I don't think that God is disinterested in calling men to the ministry. I think that it is possible for men to become very infatuated with the things of this world and building up their own life and they can become guilty of ignoring the call of God. So as a church, we need to be getting out there and we need to be purposeful and active because God is going to use that to call men to go. And finally, a benefit to us and being involved in active, purposeful evangelism as a church is, it really involves us in the work of the Lord. We start to get into places and we begin to realize God is at work here. Look what God is doing over here. I met a person over in this place and God is at work in their life. And I met a person over here and God is at work in their life. And you realize that God is a big God. And that He's working all around us in the world. And it begins to become exciting when you realize that God is doing something. So there's a divine purpose for us. This purpose was not just a purpose for Jesus. I believe he was communicating to the disciples so that they would know when the time came for him to be gone, this is what he wanted them to be doing. He wanted them to be going into the next towns also. Say, all right, pastor, what are you driving at? Well... Just this, we've accomplished some things in the past. Praise God for it. Rejoice in what God has allowed us to be a part of. But there is much work to do. And the night cometh when no man can work. So let us as a church go to the next towns also. Let's go with the gospel. Let's expand our vision. Let's throw a wide net. Let's be involved more in proclaiming the good news to a world that desperately needs good news. This is a lot of what we're trying to do with some of our our uh, missions trips. You know, frankly, the last two years have been really difficult. We'll talk about uh, in our missions budget here in a little while, but we, we budget money for missions trips and for going to the field. But obviously, the last couple of years, it's been almost impossible to be able to take a group out of the country and go somewhere and so some of what we've been doing for instance in harlem is hey look let's go somewhere that is nearby doesn't require all kinds of things we can go there and we can minister and we can go with the gospel and it's different enough from where we're at that It's a mission field that it feels like we stepped into a cross-cultural experience and we can be involved in that place and we can stay exposed to the need to go. Now, I want to see us return to going to the mission field, visiting our missionaries, being involved in evangelism, participating in the work that God has called them to do. And we see the world starting to open up and allowances are being made so that now you can go again. But the reason we do that is because we constantly want to be challenging ourselves with the need. So as a church, part of what we're going to talk about tonight with our budget is we want to be involved in going. We want to be reaching out. We want to continue pressing forward. We want to do that through means like going personally, taking groups of people and doing Literature evangelism, street evangelism, confrontational evangelism in places where we've never been before. We also want to use some of the tools that God has given us through technology to be able to cast a little bit of a net. For instance, one of the things that we've been doing over the last couple of months is placing gospel ads on Facebook that are targeting a particular city, a large city, in India, where we, to our knowledge, there is no gospel preaching church, there is no scriptural church in that city at all. And so we're just putting that out there. And the result of that has been some interest. There's some Bible studies that are going on, obviously, through the internet, and we're thankful for that. There's been some uh, interest, you know, some folks have express some curiosity, and and I want to see us start to, okay, let's try to use those kind of tools. We may not be able to get on a plane and travel there next week, but we could do some sewing and we can try to find some interested people in that place. You say, well, what is the goal of that? Well, I mean, we'd like to see some people get saved. Maybe one day there could be a church started in that city. Who knows what God will do? I know this, that no matter what the end result of it is, we have to go. We need to preach the gospel. So we want to use a combination of all the tools that God has given us, and we want to keep lifting up our eyes and looking on the fields. We want to continue going into the next towns. We want to continue pressing forward with the job that God has given to us to do. And my challenge for each one of you is, if you're a part of this church, this is your task. This is something that each and every one of us should have a part in. I realize not all of us can go every time there's an opportunity. But we can all have a part. Maybe you can't even go at all. Maybe you have some health problems that restrict you. Can you pray for those who are going? Can you uphold them? Can you, can you find a place where you could minister so that you could lift your eyes up to look to the next towns? See, if you're a part of this church, that's what God has called us to do. Amen. Let us go into the next towns.